Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready, so let us begin. I am not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. This week, the story is about the next story set to blow our collective mind as Star Wars fans. On Monday morning, the trailer was released for The Book of Boba Fett. It's the next Star Wars original series to be coming to Disney+. And now we know officially it's beginning to stream on December 29th. We do have a 1 minute and 48 seconds uh, trailer, just like a little bit of footage uh, to observe and dissect in the meantime. Ross, were we anticipating this trailer? Uh, and if so, did it meet expectations, would you say? Uh, so this trailer, uh, apparently, I haven't been uh, paying as close attention to the the, the leak world, the rumors uh, out there, and uh, just because I assumed it was going to be coming on Disney Plus Day, which is November 12th. Yeah. Uh, but apparently a couple days ago, it was uh, leaked that uh, the trailer was going to be coming out today. And so it, lo and behold, it indeed did. Uh, and or, or yesterday is what I'm referring to. Um, but uh, it came out and uh, it, to me, it has completely met expectations. Uh, I think collectively it's... Um, not necessarily meeting the mainstream expectations of everybody, but people who understand the layers of Boba Fett or the layers of Star Wars seem to be surprisingly intrigued in terms of uh, it being a little different from their expectations. Uh, and I'll admit it's a little different maybe from my expectations as well, but in only good ways. So what do you think? Uh, so were the, I'm really excited about that. What do you think were the broad expectations of this series to, if not you, then the layman? What do you think the, uh, like the greater fan base was probably expecting? I think everybody has only so much to go off of. And I think the one thing that we're mostly drawing from is the most recent Mando episode. Um, and so uh, the tragedy. And so we have just Boba Fett kicking a bunch of ass being kind of uh, a lone wolf per se. He's got Fennec there, but also just like being uh, his kind of silent assassin way that he is. Yeah. Uh, very akin to his original trilogy self. Uh, and that's kind of what I was expecting. But this to me, I get a lot of prequel vibes. Mm -hmm. And I don't hear that being talked about as much. I hear a lot of people talking about how much this brings them back to the original trilogy. Uh, and how it feels much like Mando. And yes, I see, I feel the Mando vibes. And of course, there's a ton of Return of the Jedi vibes. Uh, but I get a ton of prequel vibes as well uh, in the continuity of making Boba Fett feel like a complete character. Yes. And feeling like someone who comes from a certain time period and has seen a lot and has seen the galaxy fall and rise and has seen power vacuums uh, manipulate in an interesting way and is an extremely wise character and is not the Boba Fett we knew before, is a Boba Fett who has evolved much more than even maybe I had thought from what we had seen in Mando. I was thinking, okay, we saw some evolution, but we might see some regression. I still think we're going to continue that evolution uh, of Boba being, um, you know, it's going to be the not necessarily the, I think a lot of people talked about the book of Boba Fett being almost like his, his, uh, his hit book, like oh, okay. the people who have wronged him. But I'm seeing it more now as like Manifesto. the rule book. Yeah. 
Like yeah. these are the like if you want to be part of the underworld in my galaxy, you are to follow the book of Boba Fett, the rules of Boba Fett. I agree. That was my uh, biggest takeaway from this trailer as well is that they really seem to be set on establishing his personal ethics as a result of the journey he's been on as a character, which is great because like if they want to do proper character development by these characters, especially the character who like most iconically was underdeveloped, then Mm. that is a phenomenal choice to the point that, you know, without uh, getting ahead of ourselves, because we are going to talk about the trailer in specifics in a moment. uh, It really seems to me to be establishing that, this is his godfather origin story. Like this is where he establishes what the new law is now that there's a new sheriff in town. Um, and and all, all, everything you said about what the book of Boba Fett could mean literally, I think is absolutely true. He has come in and he has to establish uh, a dominance, although in a new way that's not as dictatorial as was the reign of Jabba the Hutt. He's going to come at it with this new uh, with this new mode, this new tone that still obviously is going to require some Boba Fett violence and badassery because we see that in the trailer. Um, and I think it's interesting what you said about regression because what we learned in season two of Mando is that this guy who was previously pretty much only ever villainous maybe is is neither one nor the other. He's really just going for himself. Although at the end of the day, he is virtuous and he'll do the right thing by the right people if they're on his side. I really see a, a great opportunity for them to take the character back a step in this series. No, hang on. At the end of the day, maybe I am a bounty hunter, but I'm going to be the boss. Does that make sense? I completely agree, especially when it comes to I'm in charge now. That's definitely a vibe that I get. Uh, it's interesting. I, I, let's just, we can kind of dive right into it because uh, it's not the first shot, but the first thing said in the trailer is, I am not a bounty hunter. Right. And so that is going to be, I think maybe, is that the thesis of the show? What is he? I mean, if you ask anybody about Boba Fett, it's the one thing that everybody knows about Boba Fett is that he is a bounty hunter. Uh, and so for people who don't necessarily know this, um, to be or people who aren't as familiar with Boba Fett, the trailer is contradicting the one thing you do know about him right away. And so that's interesting. True, except for that. Think about how that mirrors the other original series on Disney Plus and whether or not that can be a good thing. I don't want every single Disney Plus original Star Wars show to be about a person having an identity crisis. Ahsoka, am I a Jedi or am I not a Jedi? Mando, am I a Mandalorian or am I not a Mandalorian? Boba Fett, am I a bounty hunter or am I not? It seems like that's that's fine because obviously it's a different story to tell. But at the same time, like just one person having a crisis of faith and then ultimately realizing they are who they set out to be or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. maybe that's inherent to what Star Wars is, because as I say this, I'm I'm seeing visions of Rey in my mind, realizing that she was all along who she set out to be. And that's just kind of the hero's journey. It is, uh, but I don't necessarily disagree with you either. And I don't, and what I think I see a little different from that is, and as much as I agreed with what you were saying, that is where I I don't necessarily agree is that I don't think he's going to come to some realization in the end that, oh, I am just a bounty hunter. I think this is a a full step forward. I don't think he is regressing in in the kind of that same way. I think we are seeing uh, the full character arc and the fact that we know, okay, think back to the little boy 
who is introduced uh, when dad, Tom Lee's hair, and Great. like we have Obi-Wan and that little boy, I think will be as influential, if not more influential to the character that we see Boba Fett here than uh, put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. Like that is far less important to the character of Boba Fett. Right. And so when we think of the bounty hunter role that he has, I think we're going to see potentially, okay, is he evolving? And he's taking his helmet off a lot. Uh, is this a matter of, okay, I'm Boba Fett. I can carry on my father's legacy, but I don't necessarily need to constantly be wearing the same helmet as my father. I don't need to always be following the path of the bounty hunter that he was. I can maybe carve out my own way in like taking Jabba's role, knowing that someone will need to take it, um, but potentially being able to do it in my own way so that I can grab power. So I don't think there's necessarily virtue there but i think it's i think he is making a step up in the world that he doesn't necessarily feel the need to do uh the dirty work in the same way as he used to no but he is going to be challenged on those efforts to change and evolve because the first Mm. voice we hear after he says i'm not a bounty hunter is this second disembodied voice that says i've heard otherwise i know you sit on the throne of your former employer which is obviously a uh jabba hut jabba the hut reference now do we know who that voice was it's notable that it's modulated and it kind of sounds like Din. So it sounds a shit ton like Din. Yeah. I have, I've went through it because I was like, it sounds so familiar. Is it just because it sounds so much like Pedro Pascal? Uh, it's definitely not. Oh, or I shouldn't say it's definitely not. Uh, they could be pulling a real good fastball on us. But uh, it's an Ithorian who they cut to a, the scene later with the Twi'lek um, right, right there. And so the Ithorians, they have like these uh, speaking modulators. So you hear right before um, the line, I've heard otherwise. And I know that you sat on the throne of your former employer. Right below, right before you hear those lines, you hear, you hear this garbled dialect. Right. And then you hear it clearly translated. Gotcha. So the the dialogue we're hearing is just the translator. It's the mo- it's the modulator on the Athorian. Uh so but I'm curious to know who the actor is because it sounds so bloody familiar. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing about that character is it is an Athorian and Doc Ondar, who uh, has his uh, den of antiquities. So it's essentially it's the pawn shop in Galaxy's Edge. Um, he this could be Doc Ondar. Okay. Uh, and so he is a character that you can interact with in Galaxy's Edge. Nice. Uh, and this might be him. We don't know for sure, uh, but this would be one of the most prominent canonical. Um, well, he Doc Ondar was actually brought up. He's mentioned Kira mentions him offhandedly in Solo. Um, so he's part of this underworld. It would it would make sense. It would fit. And they're he's either going to be the one of the newest most prominent Athorians, or they're just going to reuse the other most prominent Athorian in Doc Ondar. So that would be kind of a cool introduction. Uh, but it like you said, it does appear like other people are vying for Jabba's uh, power position. Well, yeah, and you had said last week that it would be so awesome if we got to see huts in some capacity in the Book of Boba Fett. It would make a lot of sense, and we don't literally see huts in this trailer, but Jabba the Hutt is all over this trailer. So we might as well start talking about like the visuals as they begin. The opening frame is... Uh, uh, a shot of like a Tatooine tundra, rocky, it's probably dusk. And the first thing we see is this very creepy and large robotic spider uh, mm. with like an amber sack crawl over the hill. And then we pan uh, to where the spider is walking, which is towards Jabba's familiar palace. 
So do you know what that spider is? Absolutely not. So uh, in Return of the Jedi, if, right after 3PO and R2 enter Jabba's palace, uh, what walks behind them, and I only ever first noticed this because of trivia, and mm. someone pointed it out the year prior, that the little spider droid walks behind them. Yes, it does. Uh, and it just scurries across it's the screen. It's not little, and, it's big. Oh, no, no, you're right. Yeah. It is big. Uh, and so that, of course, got me to investigate further. And so oh. what it is, is it's a, it's a BT-16 perimeter droid. And these perimeter droids, it's actually, so Jabba's uh, palace is a Bomar monastery. Uh, so it's a Bomar monk monastery. And so the Bomar monks believed the, the strongest path to enlightenment was to detach oneself from the physical body uh, to be able to have uh, a stronger brain power and not to be bogged down and distracted by the physical ailments of the human body. And so Bomar monks put their brains inside these BT-16 droids. Oh my God. And as a result of that, the monks were basically just brains in jars in within these robots and had no means of defending themselves whatsoever. Although so also they're monks, but Jabba just comes in and sees it. It's basically empty and just a few droid brain, weird little monk things. And so he says, okay, fine. I'm going to settle in here. I can deal with a few of these guys or kill a few of them or do wow. whatever. Um, and so there's also uh, a Bomar uh, monk monastery in the Clone Wars movie as well. And so there's the other kind of significant prominent tie in too. So the, the huts have a, a track record yeah. of uh, just debauchery uh, in the Bomar monk facilities. Well, it's funny because I do kind of vaguely remember seeing the spider thing in Jabba's palace now that you mention it and probably mm. not until later in life that I, that I noticed like this thing in the, in the distance, but uh I kind of thought we were seeing something new for the first time in the opening shot of this trailer. Like it's really striking to see this horrifying robot spider crawl over yeah. the rocks. Yeah, and that, and that's another thing. Someone uh, I thought it was a really great observation, uh, and I, I heard it in the Force Center broadcast where uh, it's a great comparison to Boba Fett. It is this thing that is silent and lurks in the background of a very small portion of the original trilogy but we're putting it front and center. Right. Uh, and that's exactly what they do. And so it's, it's a nice little metaphor for kind of bringing you back, but with kind of a, a brand new lens. And it's so clear and up close. Whereas in the past, all we've ever seen is just this kind of like foggy semblance of, of what it was. And so uh, it is, it is cool. It's reminding us. And then we also later on, uh, we get to see this, like just a bunch of other amazing shots of Tatooine. Mm -hmm. We see this, or what we think might be Tatooine, I should say. We see this really cool cratered out city. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I assume that's Tatooine, but my God, that was a cool shot. Well, the city itself, and it's quite the, it's quite metropolitan looking, but it's mm. all within this giant uh, uh, crater that's not familiar, but it really would appear like a good majority of the show is set on Tatooine. It seems to be. It seems because I mean the huts control Tatooine. They yep. don't necessarily need to have control. Be, well, they don't really, in, in theory, have control beyond that. And from what it looks like, there's some form of I don't know heist or plot or something that's going on. So maybe everything needs just it's going to be taking place on Tatooine. And I, I wouldn't be shocked about that. I would definitely. Uh, of all of the series that we've discussed and experienced thus far, 
this is one I could maybe be okay with that, not necessarily uh, traveling too far. But then again, it is Star Wars, so we probably should go some places, even if Boba spends the most of his time on Tatooine. Well, and we have Slave One, which we see briefly in this trailer. Like, it shouldn't yes. just be used to travel around Tatooine. That, would, that seems like a terrible waste. Yeah, that is a very good point. You want to be able to have those seismic charges used. As we're seeing that crater, the voiceover with Boba continues, and that's when he delivers what essentially is his mission statement, and we've already kind of been talking about already. This is where he says, Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. And so this is where he is setting himself up as the new guy and how things are going to be different. And certainly, mm. it sounds like a more appealing offering than what's been had before. Like, if you're going to be working under this guy yeah i'd rather be respected and i'd rather respect him than you know possibly being thrown to the rancor at any minute and so this there is a there's a virtue to what he is suggesting so this is where things start to get interesting for me and this is where it starts to get interesting for for a lot of people uh it's all of the other ip of star wars that has existed in the past and what they could be pulling from and so there's been a lot of past work uh, about kind of the the syndicates gathering together. So the bounty hunters working together post uh, return of the Jedi for either side, whether it was Legends or whether it was George Lucas's original plans for the sequel trilogy. Uh, there are lots of different um, stories in, in Star Wars about the bounty hunters finally working together, yeah. putting all of their differences aside for some other greater good, whether it's to enrich themselves, uh, which they, there's a line later on um, in this about, uh, I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Um, right. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? Um, those are the kind of lines that hint to this likely being some form of yeah, I'll show you respect because it's the fastest way and the best way for us all to just get completely prosperous in this time of chaos. The Empire has fallen. Boba has shown that he hates the Empire, so maybe it's a heist against the Empire. Um, and this New Republic is pretty pathetic, and they don't have a war, a military, so but can, it makes it easy for them to step in. Can these other people with with shady backgrounds be trusted to align with this other guy who's also shady, or are you just going to be ruling this anarchistic new regime? Like, is it going to be this really concise Alibaba and the Forty Thieves kind of dynamic, or is he just going to be like ruling a bunch of guys who are constantly trying to stab him in the back? That comes down to, once again, the way the Sith were. The Sith put, paired themselves down to two because there was so much infighting. Right. But then it, it comes down to what they really value. Mm -hmm. Are people valuing power? Are they valuing money? In this particular time within the galaxy, there is so much unrest that are some people valuing security. Uh, there are lots. like So potential, like, Yes, somebody is stepping in. This, the The spice trade will continue. Yeah. Um, is Boba going to have slaves in that same sort of way? Uh, who knows? Maybe, yes, probably. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that's this, that stuff is has to continue and, and that Boba's not necessarily trying to, to prevent that. 
but that he is trying to ensure that there is order. I think that that is the big thing that he's going for is is that we can have all we can have our cake and eat it too. Right. We just need order. So just to clarify, this all is surrounding a scene that we cut to most prominently in the trailer where he's almost called a meeting of these other aliens who he describes as uh, former captains under Jabba the Hutt. And so he's basically yes. got gotten Fennec. together. Uh, oh, Fennec says it. And so they've gotten together all these other like good bounty hunters, essentially, who he probably knows from a past life. And he's basically saying here's how we're going to go forward, or at least this is what I'm suggesting. But you're right, Fennec is there, and and, and lest we uh, neglect to mention how prominently featured she is in this trailer, she is very much going to be his his right-hand man and kick mm -hmm. just as much ass as he does. Oh, absolutely, and that's the thing. When you have Ming-Na Wen, you, can't, you, you should, yep. you need to, because uh, she's com completely capable of it, and it's really like she's right alongside him i actually think this scene and the the last scene uh the one that they're talking about um i know we're kind of skipping all over a little okay. bit now uh but if you've spoken such insolence to jabba he would have fed you to his menagerie please yeah. speak freely uh so i think that scene specifically might be the the very first scene in the entire show okay i think that like it, it's uh, jabba's palace wasn't empty and so these people were already there. I don't think these are necessarily top bounty hunters necessarily, but they're his captains, so they're capable uh, and that they certainly hold key roles. Uh, I think that there's going to be, like I'm just saying, like I, there's going to be, I believe, more uh, prominent bounty hunters that exist in Star Wars that they will introduce in this show. So uh, I don't believe that those necessarily are going to be the bounty hunters that they're going to focus on. I sure. think there's so many that have been introduced in the past per se, like there's trend oceans in there, but it wasn't Bosk. I believe Bosk will probably be in the show. It also raises the question, like what kind of order or lack thereof has been established since Jabba died? So uh, what's the name of the white Twi'lek who he kills at the end of Mando 2? Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. So like, has he actually effectively been running Jabba's palace or has it been anarchy there for quite a while and they need boba fett to uh to knock everybody into order i think it's both yeah. i think he has been i think he has been running it but horribly okay and i think yes boba fett they're going to realize very quickly they're i'm sure they'll kick up a, a stink at the start but that's what this meeting likely is at the very beginning and then boba will be like oh let's let us feast or he'll say some poetic line about um ha sharing uh a uh, food and, and a beverage uh, within their narrative of sorts as simple men. Um, and then that'll be the beginning of kind of their, their journey outward. I, I believe we're only getting the first two, maybe three episodes, but probably only the first two episodes in this trailer. So okay. it's that's good. Like it, they're, they're, they, they're not showing too much, which is really great. Are you at all disappointed um, that they're they're skipping over Bib Fortuna? That they're not going to try and make him a character before killing him off mid season or late season? You won't miss him. No, no, Bib Fortuna. He's Jabba's major domo. There's enough knowledge about who he is. He's just a he's he's a slug for the slug. Uh, he's he's been Jabba's bitch for thirty plus years, um, and so he did, he had no business. That is when. Um, a weaselly middle uh, management that everybody hates uh, gets promoted after the head boss that everybody loves retires. 
uh, or gets sick, unfortunately. And then he gets to step in on temporary and then takes over permanently. And then eventually gets snuffed out by uh, a new good leader or someone new to finally kind of take them in a, in a different direction. But uh, I don't necessarily need Bib as, as a character. I would like a few members maybe of the Max Rebo band. That would be sure. great to see. Yeah, why not? Max Rebo himself would be awesome to yeah. see. So then one of the other uh, bounty hunters uh, in true Star Wars fashion uh, asks Boba, what prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? And so, I mean, this is the question I just asked you. Do you have any predictions uh, on how to answer that question? Like, how will Boba Fett establish that he's the boss and not just be immediately thrown over? It's not good enough that he's a good martial artist. Well, what they do show is uh, what prevents us from killing and taking what we want. Uh, and then Boba looks unimpressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, then uh, he's like having a drink and he looks unimpressed when he hears them saying that. And then they cut to a shot of the helmet with coins falling out of the helmet. Yeah. Uh, and then shields up like these guy guys with their shields up and they're doing this big stand up and Bobo with the craziest eyes in the fucking world. He does. Yeah. Uh, just take, just taking them all out. So I think it's going to be a bit of a combination of all those things right there. So Boba's, yeah, he's a crazy martial artist and he'll probably show that and that will earn him some form of respect uh, in a way that he will um, show I am the most brutal and you also all know my name. Uh, I am the one who knocks. You all know that sort of. And as a right. result, they will fall in line because of it. Uh, he will have, he will do some form of additional. I, I would not be surprised if he very early on also takes out another gang uh, to grow his empire to immediately grow the empire so it's like oh wow boba's already done more in five minutes than bib did in five years uh i wouldn't be surprised on that and then also i got huge um blood money vibes from the helmet yeah the so, helmet just like it, the, the the classic boba fett helmet is like it lands on the ground and a fistful of dollars spills out of it onto the sand and so like this is just a great question mark it's a very cool visual and is this a bet uh like what happened here i see this as really going back to when have we seen that shot before we saw that helmet fall on the ground after it was chopped off by Mace Windu. Mm. Uh, and so you see the anger. I think Boba is going to be speaking from a place of anger and revenge and wanting um, his his life back, uh, wanting his what he's earned back. I think there's going to be stuff that they'll um, hit on with Bad Batch just about the way that uh, and just in terms of the way that he took uh, being called a like a, a clone in Mandalorian. I think uh, his father's legacy is going to be a big element in the mission that he is taking himself on. And I think that will also earn respect as to why people want to fall in line because uh, he's showing that he has a very clear end game and a, and a goal as opposed to having his necessarily golds in, in, in shadows and being difficult to predict. I think he's going to be overt upfront uh, and uh, it's going to be, he's going to put the, the blood on the line for for the fits. Well, speaking of being overt, like, do you predict that Mace Windu, Windu in particular will have any kind of uh, fingerprints on this show? Like, will he specifically be referred to in like a revenge kind of way? Yeah, like I could see Boba like standing up and being like, the Jedi took my father and then like the, the Empire took my blah, blah, blah. And right. uh, 
the, the Clone Wars took this from me and then this took the, and, I, and so like I, I could see them doing like a big like having uh, some form of now it's my time to take back what's mine sort of. Uh, so I don't think it's going to have big fingerprints. Like I don't think you'll be able to to cleanly get a get a clear read and show that Mace Windu was responsible for X, Y, Z in the plot. Uh, but you'll be able to get a partial fingerprint for sure, I'd say. Now, I'm really curious about uh, you, you mentioned the shields like these guys seem to have uh, both Boba and Fennec surrounded and they have red force field shields and it seems like they probably get their shit rocked in the next moment but like they appeared to me to be organized like they were wearing mm -hmm. these red uniforms like they might be some kind of like police force they might be empire based they might be some third party do you have any idea mm -hmm. of who they were? I wonder actually if they're the Raiders. Um, I doubt they are, but they might have been similar Raiders that Cobb Vanth had to scare out of uh, Moss Pelgo. Okay. I doubt it. I'm sure I would have seen somebody make that connection already online yet. But uh, in that case, I think that, that they're likely a, a rival gang that he's going to be taking out. They could be the security force for the Athorian. Um, I think it's it's going to be something that's very early on. It's going to be the, the first piece of his puzzle. Uh, it's going to be him making a, an established uh, mark. I don't think they're going to have a whole lot of significance. They'll, they'll play a role like uh, like Conja Club or uh, or the Guavian Death Gang do. So I, don't, right. I, I, think it, I think it will be more of one of those, uh, you're surrounded, I like those odds sort of situation. Right. Yeah, I thought they were. I thought they were very, very interesting. And then we kind of cut back to within uh, Jabba's palace, and that's when Fennec says, uh, in a kind of threatening fashion, "If you had spoken such insolence to Jabba, he would have fed you to his menagerie." And then Boba says, like very calmly, very menacingly, "Please speak freely." Like, oh, hey, we can have a dialogue, although mm. maybe not, maybe not really. And so maybe we're going to come to learn that he's actually not so different from Jabba when he's the one in the position of power, after all. I'm okay with, with Boba Fett being kind of villainous in this show because that is who he is originally in canon. Oh, yeah. I, I think you're going to need to be okay with that. Boba yeah. Fett is a villain. Boba, yeah. This is not going to be uh, the good guy turn that Mando gets. No. Uh, the, there's a reason why they, I think they had to create Mando is because they wanted to do that and there's just too much track record with Boba being a bad guy. And I agree. Uh, I, I think there's absolutely an opportunity, uh, an opportunity for him to fail mm -hmm. and to fail miserably as the ultimate um, bad guy and uh, have his selfishness get in the way in, in, a, in a in a new capacity. Fennec could take him out. Who knows uh, if th their relationship could sour throughout the show yeah. and there could be a reason uh, for it. Uh, another one of the, the rumors, um, a big rumor that aligns, uh, it was this same source that said the trailer would come out in the first and is that the show is nine episodes. Okay. That's a lot. So that's, yeah, that's one more than recently thought and three more than I used to think. Right. Um, I well, used to think actually four at yeah, one point. I remember so, that. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's really encouraging and exciting. And, uh, I mean, it could also lend to the show being more like the 30 minute episodes that sometimes Mando is, but that's also fine. I like the, it's good to be able to have it over a, a longer period of time. And uh, it's also, there is heavy rumors of it being, there being more than one season too. So that could be interesting. To what extent do you expect this show will 
cover up some of the Sarlacc pit blind spots that a lot of people have. I know you have an idea of what probably happened there with Boba, but like that is the last memory most people have of of Boba Fett. Mm. And so a lot of people are going to want to see that gap filled in. Yeah, I think you you have to in some way. Uh, I don't think you can just say somehow Boba Fett returned. But, uh, <laughs> oh, you could. It seems like they've done uh, that before. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it may, maybe. I'm not quite sure. Maybe if they did like some sort of exposition where it was just like, the dead are back ah. or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll just get no, Oscar Isaac on the horn and see if he can repeat some old dialogue. Exactly. Yeah. There, uh, there was one scene though, that does seem like it's a slam dunk going to be that. So there's a quick, quick shot during a sandstorm, which aligns with what's happening on uh, Tatooine. Uh, and also, the fact that the Tuscans who are walking through the sandstorm are wearing dark Tuscan clothes. I loved that, by the way. Dark robes, yeah. but also who has dark Tuscan robes? Boba Fett in season two of Mando. That's right. Uh, and yeah. so he has a gaffy stick. He's got a cycler rifle and dark Tuscan robes, just like the tribe who likely found him uh, and rescued him from the Starlight pit. So that's going to be my guess. My guess is he will have uh, crawled out of the pit uh, half of his gear will be on him. Half of his gear will be off of him. He'll be covered in burns and wounds. He'll be uh, knocked out. Um, the Tuscans will sh- get rid of the rest of his uh, Beskar armor, just ditch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cobb Vanth is going to be just able to get it from the Jawas who will find it. Um, and then uh, he's just going to wake up who knows how many months later and have to be part of that tribe with no armor and without anything. And my guess is we'll uh, learn a lot from them and develop his new, uh, the new Boba that we come to know, or maybe he'll be in a coma or something. Cause I don't know what he was doing for so long, why he decided to stay hidden for five, six years on Tatooine. We know for sure he was to- always on Tatooine. We, he hasn't had interplanetary well, adventures. Where would he have gone? I mean, he does appear to have had Slave One the entire time, but he didn't have his armor, uh, and he was he knew where to go, kind of for his armor. And he was still dressed up in his Tatooine garb, and so maybe he has gone elsewhere. But it would be interesting, and it would make a lot of sense. But no, I, I actually it wouldn't make a lot of sense. I was going to say because he ran into Fennec, but no, Fennec was left for dead on Tatooine. So right. never mind. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know about that. My guess is that scene is going to be the flashback and, uh, this didn't indicate a ton of flashback, but then nope. again, it only indicated to me, uh, the first maybe two episodes of the show. Um, so that's, that's what you want to see. You don't want to see a bunch of clips that could be from later on so that you're able to pick up. Oh no, I think I know what's going to be able to come from X, Y, and Z and all the clues around it. So. Maybe this is the show where you finally get to see the return of pod racing, which you've been awaiting for two decades. Oh my God. That would be so amazing. Please let the heist be during the Boonti Eve classic uh, or something like that. That would be amazing. Oh my God. A Boonti Eve classic heist. Yeah. Um, Boonti Eve homecoming or Boonti Eve memorial or like some kind of like new iteration of it. Oh, Memorial would certainly work yeah. for all the friggin' racers who died yeah. <laughs> or for, or for Jabba. Yeah. Oh, that's um, true. Uh, or it could be the the Jabba the Hut classic, and it's uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah the the Jabba Invitational, um, Invitational. the Jabba uh, the Jabba Walkie. Uh, who knows? 
Any I, other big be... observations from this? Any other familiar faces or locations that you think are going to play a considerable role? I, I don't really know locations-wise. I, I can imagine, obviously, that we'll go to a few familiar places in Tatooine, aside from the, obviously, Jabba's Palace. It wouldn't surprise me if we go back to Mos Eisley or Mos Espa. Um, I would personally rather Mos Espa. Get a little prequel flair in there, like you said. Get the Mos Espa Grand Arena in there, maybe Bounty Classic. But I don't really know if there's going to be anything other, uh, any other key locations. Camino would be another one that I would like to see because it makes logical sense. It does. But we we see in the Bad Batch that uh, that may not be super possible. There may be different uh, parts of Camino that could maybe make sense to go to. But uh, well, and like the cloning facility is not there anymore, right? Nope. No, <laughs> no, it is not. No. And so it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, Mandalore itself, maybe, but probably saved for the Mandalorian, as that seems to be where that show is going. So I think it could be a fairly contained story, uh, but really it's going to be diving in deep to these mob themes. And uh, I think Star Wars is going to be doing that in a few different ways. So uh, that's that is exciting because it's what George Lucas kind of indicated uh, that he might have wanted to do as one of the the, the main antagonizing sides for the galaxy in his sequel trilogy and so if that's going to be uh post return of the jedi then this is post return of the jedi and allows you to still kind of do some of that the hype is real very excited it's an excellent trailer and i'm going to keep watching it until we get more we'll probably get another trailer as the as the release date comes a little a little closer yeah, there was already a TV spot that didn't have any other new footage, but was just a bit of a recut of some of it. So I would imagine we'll get something in December as well, uh, because we're really getting, well, December 29th. So we're getting it basically in 2022. Yeah. Um, we'll get one episode, but it'll be, uh, we'll probably get a little extra footage. Maybe we'll get a scene at uh, Disney Plus Day. Or maybe we'll get something from one of the other shows. I would rather get something from the, another show than get, more Book of Boba Fett stuff just because it's so right around the corner Yeah, uh, that I can kind of, I can live with this as being enough of a teaser for me. Um, but this definitely met and exceeded my expectations. And it's going to be a little different than maybe I thought the, the feeling of that last supper scene uh, just made me think so much of the separatist council scenes uh, that Dooku has on Geonosis. Uh, and when they're gathered on Mustafar and Utapau, uh, in the prequels, it's just when you have so many obscure aliens and ugly ass Aqualesh, the the giant bug like face guys. Yeah. It's just it, it really uh, seemed so Star Warsy in the way it was connecting those eras. And it uh, I, I heard somebody else also kind of mention this as uh, just another bit of. Well, imagine what George Lucas could do with all this new technology as well. And all of the times George Lucas tried to make projects like this, whether it was uh, a lot of people have been talking about uh, the underworld TV show that he tried to make and how this mm -hmm. might be like that. I don't think this is going to be oh, even a little bit like that, no. but that influenced uh, the video game 1313 and that video game 1313 potentially had some Boba Fett ties ins with it. Uh, and then Guillermo del Toro wanted to make a Jabba the Hutt underworld uh, movie at one point. Uh, Josh Trank was going to make a Boba Fett movie at one point. Uh, there was going to be, I think, James Mangold at one point. Um, it, it was insane the number of people who have been attached to Boba projects. And so the fact that it really feels like they've made a smart 
uh, decision they to have. focus on a character as opposed to the action figure. Um, they did that I'm, too, though. Like they got they got their cake and and got to eat it too because that's what we have with Din. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, completely. And and that's the thing. Have your cake and eat it too. And yeah. and that's why because they were able to plan it so well. And it, you got the the dump out of the action figures with Mandalorian because you're even getting different generations of action figures like oh hey let's just throw in my ahsoka with my boba fett right they don't go together yes they do uh <laughs> and well george lucas and dave filoni did that all the time because i mean the clone wars started that but it, it this one in particular i i think is they timed it right same with kenobi kenobi is i think they chose they timed it right to get the right story yeah and i and i'm hoping that that's the same thing with boba fett you had mentioned before that it was kind of a fantasy that maybe george lucas would get to direct one of the episodes of these shows and maybe it'll happen for mando someday it's not going to happen with obi-wan kenobi because they're very precious about that boba fett would be cool because it is a character he uh invented way back when like do you have a, a series where you most would like to see george uh in the director chair just one more time Oh, geez. Um, well, he hasn't been in the director chair for such a long time. Uh, and he hasn't really wanted to be in the director chair for a while. Uh, but I, of the series that are currently announced uh, and in development, the ones I would want would be the Acolyte or Ahsoka. Yeah. Because I feel they're the potentially the most mystical and force-connected and as a result, the ones where his influence would be the most appropriate. Sure. Uh, but anything that needs to deal with um, with Mortis, uh, there could be involvement there. Uh, I wouldn't want him to take full control over that because that could get a little out of hand with George having full control in there. Um, so yeah, actually, maybe maybe something in in the Acolyte um, or or Ahsoka because it's it still is contained uh but at the same time he also gets so much power in, in those circumstances because he is george dave would give him as much power as he wanted and so soka would make a ton of sense and he would get to play with thrawn potentially which he never got to uh even though he maybe wouldn't care to uh, maybe he would have an interest in in uh having some fun with a character like that and remind me book of boba fett uh obviously robert rodriguez who's show running he's directing it I think a couple of times and Bryce Dallas Howard's coming back for this show as well. I believe Bryce Dallas Howard is as well as uh, John Favreau and oh, yeah. maybe awesome. someone else. Uh, no, Dave Filoni as well. And so, and, and maybe someone else announced good team, um, multiple Robert Rodriguez and Robert Rodriguez is also an executive producer with Dave and, and, uh, and Favreau. You get to see a little of that Rodriguez violence with the gaffy stick in this trailer too. Like kind of like we saw yeah. in that uh, second last episode of Mando too. Yeah, when he's, yeah, I got that uh, whatever vibro thing that he's taken from that guard. And then he's just yeah. like, all right, my eye, my eyes are going to bug out of my head again. And I'm just going to kill you. Obviously, when you get a Star Wars trailer, that's the dominant Star Wars news of the week. But uh, anything else going on in the in the leakosphere, as you call it? There is. And so this is something that came out just after. And that is that there is a heavy rumor that in production in the animation world, uh, there was, uh, well, there was belief that Sam Witwer was working on a project, uh, D. Bradley Baker was working on a project, and Matt Lanter. So uh, Sam Witwer is the voice of Maul and many other characters. D. Bradley Baker is the voice of 
all of the clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Lanter is the voice of Anakin, and uh, in in some times when they need to do, I guess, Vader with his mask off. Uh, and so under those circumstances, they're all potentially working on something in the animation. Cool. Additionally, uh, there's a heavy, heavy, heavy belief that there is a mall animated show in production. And so oh, it would focus on uh, Maul's Crimson Dawn reign. Okay. Uh, and so Paul Bettany is also believed to be attached. Uh, and so that he would be uh, a main character as uh, the, the Lieutenant Dryden boss for Maul. And then, of course, they would probably be trying to also get Amelia Clark to come in and voice Kira. Yes. Uh, and then it would be able to give you that plus the Lando show and uh, we can uh, get all of the the, the better uh, extension pieces from what we got from Solo and really flesh out that time period uh, and give us more of that uh, underworld uh, flair, but in a different time period. And so this could connect really solidly to the book of Boba Fett. But we are talking about an animated show, right? Because Sam Witwer also yep. did the mall voice in live action Solo. That is correct. But yes, we were talking about an animated show that this would be. And they made the the animated form for Dryden Boss for just like four seconds yeah, of the Clone Wars. that's right. And so that doesn't make sense. So I've been expecting to see him in Bad Batch. Maybe he was made for an entirely different show that we haven't seen yet. And there's the mall show that's been in development and that they saw how amazing those last episodes of Clone Wars were. And they're like, okay, we need to continue mall. We, we, we have Sam and we need to get as much out of this character as we can. Uh, and now is a good time to be able to get uh, Bettany and Amelia Clark because they're still interested and want to do it because both have said vocally that they would love to reprise the characters in some way. So that's that's such uh, a great idea. That. That's 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 a really good solution, actually. I mean, and obviously, they were trying so hard to set up something rich with Crimson Dawn there at the end of Solo, and they got you know, the rug pulled up from under them for a number of reasons. And we've, we've talked a lot about Amelia Clark. We haven't talked a lot about Dryden Voss and like his mm. capacity for, for being further developed within the show. Although like, I'd be happy to see that. Like nobody's going to argue that, that Paul Bettany is a really exciting performer. And, and, and this guy is kind of a nutcase. So I, I'd be happy to see more of that. And I mean, my first reaction when you started talking about this was like, oh my God, is there possibly more Darth Maul story to tell? And then I remembered, of course, yeah, there is Crimson Dawn. So maybe so. Yeah, we don't really know anything that happens to Darth Maul for 18 years other than um, meet me on Dathomir that he says for 10 seconds. And then he finds Ezra while he's been stranded for God knows how long, probably nine years or so but we also need to figure out how he gets stranded how does he end up uh on malachor and he's just left for dead on on a on a sith world where he's grows old and eventually gets rescued by ezra uh and so all these pieces are gonna tie in very nicely and uh the timing of this show i mean animated shows take a long time to come to fruition so who knows how long it's been in development or when it'll get announced but uh, it does have a lot of smoke on it. So where there's smoke, there's usually fire. Uh, and especially seeing as all the other shows that uh, I believed were in development a couple of years ago and talked about, um, all of them have come true. Uh, and all the, except the one that I believed was animated just became the Ahsoka show and right. became a live action show with 
uh, Thrawn and uh, Ezra becoming live action as well. So, and what about uh, the Lando it, show? Like, is is there really any precedent or any other way to tie it in with Kira again, or with not Ahsoka, obviously, but like with the Mando verse? Like, is there any possibility yeah. for doing that? Because the timeline doesn't exactly line up perfectly. L- Lando has a huge track. A- huge track record of being one of the probably the top sith artifact finders in the galaxy okay that's awesome and well so in especially when you look at the fact that luke and he were working together to find oshi's dagger mm-hmm. uh and uh so lando absolutely could be somebody that kira realizes she needs to reach out to again because darth maul wants something she's like oh, i gotta reach out to lando because lando will be the only one who can get this for me uh, and then also you could do it with just because Mando versus setting up so many things for the time period of the sequel trilogy. There's still more things you can do there uh, with Lando as well as to what he's potentially hunting for. You can do a, an Indiana Jones ish story to, to set up some, or even if he's just, even if it's just one of the, the sacred Jedi texts, uh, yep. that Luke has and that the entire bloody story centers on him finding the Chronicles of Brusbu or the Ramagon. Uh, and then that allows for Ray to learn how to do force healing in the end. And so who knows? Uh, but that also, we don't know the time period for that show and it's going to be a long time coming, I think. Here's a salacious question that's not even Star Wars specific. Is Alden Ehrenreich's career dead? I hope not. I certainly hope not. Is he? What else is he doing? Exactly. It's been years. Yeah, and- I think he might be. No, that's what I was going to say. I think he might be in a science fiction movie coming up, but I, I think I might also be confusing that with Daisy Ridley, who I know is signed on recently for a... But I, I, he's a phenomenal actor. That would be ridiculous. He's actually got really good comedy chops. He's in a Coen Brothers movie. It was the first time I saw him was in Hail Caesar. And I remember him like really standing out, even though mm. he was not the recognizable one in the film. And so when he got cast as Han, I was like, okay with it. Except like he has, and I'm not worried about Daisy. I know that it hasn't like been, she hasn't immediately become mm. Kira Knightley in 2002, but she's, She's just going to be in this awkward phase because she's most she's Harry Potter right now. She's so famous for one thing, but she's going to make mm-hmm. that transition. She's such a movie star. I'm not sure Alden Ehrenreich is a movie star, and I think we've got the last five years as as evidence of that. That would suck. Yep, that would suck. He is way too good of an actor, and that's the thing. He should not have been as good as Han as he was. True, he was phenomenal with what he was given. Uh, he is too short. And the script didn't work. And we've rehashed that a billion times. Uh, But yeah, that would be very unfortunate. And I'd be fine for him to appear in the Lando show. Yeah, me too. to appear. Me too. Uh, But I also, once again, if we're going to have Han appear, I would rather Han appear in animation than appear in live action. Well, he could do that. He could, Alden could do the voice of Han in an animated show. That could be cool. Yeah, you can also, but that way Han can be 6'2", like he's supposed to be. Yeah, true. Uh, and not look <laughs> like a child next to Dryden Voss. Yeah. And so, like, th- that, as much as silly as that is, that makes a huge difference. It, it as somebody who, yeah. who, who has, who will, who has never been and never will be as tall as Harrison Ford, uh, you like, you, when you're a little kid, you always like look up to him and view him as like, oh, you're an adult. And even at this day, I still look up, look at Harrison Ford 
Uh, even when I'm 35, I'll look at 29 year old Harrison Ford and be like, oh, you're an adult. I'm not. Uh, no, but whereas like, not with Alden Ehrenreich. Don't you think, though, that Alden Ehrenreich had like not the face of a boy? Like, you're right. He's short. And so he didn't have that. Like, but if they're going for boyish Han Solo and you want him to be like lanky or something like hmm. he he had this like like face or I don't know if it was like a five o'clock shadow or a jawline or something about him like didn't look <laughs> and I know he's problematic but Ansel Elgort is the other person in this conversation and like he has a boyish face and so like if they were doing really young Han that would have been a more sensible appointment yeah no under under those circumstances I mean I'm glad very happy it wasn't him but I agree you can get away with him being like 19 and 22 in the movie whereas Ansel Elgort looks 30 because he was 30. Yeah. Uh, you mean Alden Ehrenreich? Sorry. Yeah. Alden Ehrenreich, yeah. yes. Look, look 30 because he was 30. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's the five o'clock shadow with the very strong cheekbones that aren't the same cheekbones as Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. uh, cheekbones and jawbones. Sorry. It's, they're just, they're much, much narrower and he's got a much pointier chin and just. Uh, but then again, when you see the deep fakes, it just goes to show how incredible his physical performance is uh, and his vocal performance. It's he he kills it across the board. It's just it it didn't work. Right. Um, and we've circled that a billion times. We but have. the speaking of the Lando show that we were talking about, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. was chatting about just how excited he was to be in the Kenobi show uh, and just in general, the kind of thing that you want to hear. Uh, and apparently he was super disappointed uh, when he didn't get Lando because he auditioned for Lando. Oh, cool. Uh, and so was really eager to still get in the Star Wars world. Uh, and before this, uh, I think the interview was with, uh, I, I could be wrong. I think it was with Ash Crossan, who does a lot of like, great Star Wars interviews uh, and was mentioning before the interview that it was just like he was watching Star Wars before the interview. But just, and so it's just as an overall uh always happy to see somebody who's extra happy to be in star Wars. Uh, you know, that's something that always makes me uh, pleased to see, and especially seeing as the fact that he had I tried out for another role, uh, but really wanted uh, a role and was able to find something that is probably going to be a good fit in an incredible uh, piece of star Wars. It actually doesn't surprise me that he's unabashedly a fanboy because uh, he plays the love interest in the movie Ingrid goes West with, um, with Aubrey Plaza and mm. he's just like like an affable kind of guy who's like really nice to her that's like his his role in the movie but his other main character trait is that he is super into Batman in a way that like verges oh, on like it's kind of weird and you get the impression watching it that like they probably just like took this from him like he probably like brought that to the character like okay but like what if I'm nice and it's almost weird how much I like Batman because <laughs> that's like kind of the point <laughs> of the character and so it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me if like he's just kind of a fan of of this like genre type stuff in general yeah and yeah that wouldn't surprise me at all but once again this cast in particular is seems like a very grateful one and uh i mean wouldn't that be nice on the 12th to get a sneak peek from kenobi Ooh, it would it would it i mean they're done well i don't see why they can't no exactly uh, it, it, like i forget what it was um was it guardians of the galaxy that did the in, like they had only been in production for like three weeks and they released a trailer and oh, it, was, it seemed like a full-fledged like bloody trailer and no, so i didn't hear that it is there's been a few there's been a few movies over the years that have done really quick trailers and so i don't know 
I think it would it's, be pretty amazing to see one for Kenobi. I think it's even more, if it's short, more plausible that it will be a, a ways off that it'd be like a post credits for the end of Book of Boba Fett. That's possible. Yeah, they might start doing some uh, post credits the same way that Book of Boba Fett was one with Mando. Yeah, uh, but I do believe that that one. I mean, it seems to be the May fourth uh, that we're getting the Kenobi show, so it'll be that bef- uh, before Andor almost definitely. Is that all we got this week? That I think is all we have, sir. Uh, okay. Oh, Rosario Dawson. Also, uh, she is uh, working on something for Disney Plus in the Star Wars world starting in December. So either that is Mando season three, which is actually probably the more likely one, or very early pre-production for Ahsoka because Ahsoka was said to start in spring 2022. Uh, but because she's the star, it's not outside the realm of possibility that she's needed in as early as December. Okay, I uh, want to wish a couple of happy birthdays. I missed last week on Thursday, October 28th, the happy birthday to Gwendolyn Christie. And happy birthday coming up on Saturday, November 6th to, uh, speaking of Solo, to Tandy Newton. Uh, nice. If you have any thoughts on the new Book of Boba Fett trailer, anything you picked up on that we maybe didn't, or if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to reach out on Twitter at Recorder66Podcast. I get it wrong. <laughs> I say it every week and I get it wrong sometimes. Uh, Twitter is at Recorder66. Uh, you can email Recorder66Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also rate and review on your preferred podcast app. Or if you're with us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, and until we are together again. May the force be with you. Be with you.